the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffle Podcast, episode 178. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hello, Unruffled listeners. We are popping in at the top of the show to share with you several ways that you can help support the podcast. First, you can become a patron of the show by donating to our Patreon fundraising campaign. Please consider supporting our consistent effort in bringing you weekly content on creativity and recovery, all for less than the price of a latte. For just a dollar an episode, you will receive early access to each week's show as our way of saying thank you. If every listener did this, we would be over the moon. The link to our Patreon campaign is www.patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. And that's not it. You can share our show on social media or with your friends, and you can subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating on iTunes. All of this helps our little show immensely, and we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Now on to the show. Good morning, Sandra. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Um, I was going to suggest that we promote anything we need to promote right now because everything I have to say to catch up has everything to do with the topic of the show today. Ooh. Okay, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> what, do you, uh, what do you have to promote, my friend? Okay. I, um, I can, I'm almost maxed out for clients now for change your story for September. I can take about three more, two, two more, two to three more. Wow. So anyway, I know, I know. And then I'll probably move over to a waiting list. Um, but yeah, if you would like to work with me, if you are sober, newly sober on the teeter totter of, um, so sober and not, um, and you <clears throat> are kind of asking the question, okay, now what? I feel like I, I feel like there's more that I could be working on right now, or I feel like I need some more things to um, solidify my foundation. Uh, I would love to work with you on that. Um, if you go to my website, beingruffle.com, click on change your story. It's under work with me. There's a lot of information there and some testimonials. Um, about how you can sign up and it's a four-week one-on-one coaching program and uh the women that I'm working with right now are just firing me up so oh, I love when they do that That's right it. it's so reciprocal yep. yeah yeah oh, absolutely um me newsletter tammysalas.com I am going to open up my gray area coaching um, I'm calling it ray of light coaching and it's a one-on-one as well, and it's uh, tailored for you. So there's no program per se. It's just to work with me, and we'll figure out how we're going to work together. And that will uh, open up officially. I'll be working with clients starting on 
the new moon, which is on the 17th of September. So if you're interested, you can just uh, send me an email or a message at TammySolace.com. Wonderful. All right. Well, you had a big day yesterday. Let's start there as we're recording this. Sandra, I had the biggest, best day yesterday. And it was so different than any other birthday because of, you know, COVID, right? Right. Normally milestone birthdays, I turned 50 yesterday, but normally milestone birthdays, I've always blown it out of the park, right? (laughs) You're just kind of like, just go down in flames and party your ass off. And that's typically what has been my milestone birthdays, 21, 30, and 40. And um, I had an appointment with Natha Campanella, the astrologer and life coach that we've had on the show. I had a solar return reading with her yesterday. Oh, that's fun. And she had told me, I'd reached out to her the day before. I said, isn't there an auspicious time that's happening around my birthday that I should be aware of? Because that's what she had told me the year prior when I got done. She's like, well, of course your intuition would ring that out for you. Um, Yes, it's today at 340. So this was on Monday, the day prior to my birthday. Starting at 340 in the afternoon until 340 on the day of my birthday was this auspicious time. So to really treat myself well, feed myself well do the things that I want to call into my life, be more intentional about it. And I took it seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, yeah, I started at 3.40 the day before and kind of just started making lists of intentions, wrote out my relationship and sexual ideal for a future partner. Um, I wrote out, um, yeah, what I wanted to call into my life in the coming year. I read books and, um, I listened to music and I talked to friends and had friends over and um, a couple of friends that are in my COVID bubble. And it was just lovely. And then I had a really beautiful dinner made by Steve. Um, I would say Steve and Grady, but no, Grady didn't help with that. He was busy with schoolwork, but Steve made me a beautiful meal at his house and a birthday cake that was very sweet, a strawberry cake. Ooh, yum. It was really lovely. It was tiny, sweet, quiet, the opposite of the five birthday parties I had for myself when I was 40. Five. (laughs) Ridiculous. Uh You know what I mean? Like just, it was so opposite and so peaceful. And I felt, I felt so good. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. It was nice. And I finished, I finished my 50 by 50 painting project, which um, I kind of set a little goal for myself for accountability. Kind of lost some steam on that project, Sandra. Just didn't feel like painting. Kind of honored that too. I pushed through. I did it. um, But I didn't love it like I'd hoped I would. And, um, but it brought to, to, at the very end, the last painting I did was the one that I was most excited about. And so that gives me a pushing off point to start some new work. So I guess it served its purpose. Yeah, I think part of being an artist, right, is you um, you show up even when you're uninspired. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I have to say, though, those last couple of paintings that you made, I meant to yeah. mention this, but did anyone tell you they look like breasts? <laughs> <laughs> no one told you that? <laughs> No one told me that. Really? (laughs) Okay. Now I'm not going to be able to unsee that. (laughs) No wonder. They were perfect boobs. You even made a pair. They were beautiful. (laughs) Oh my God. I meant to message that to you. And then I thought, I I can't, 
always bring the clown. <laughs> I can't always <laughs> be the clown at the party. Shut up. Sometimes I just need to tell myself to shut up. But then I thought surely somebody else has mentioned it. Anyway. No, no one's <laughs> mentioned it. But now I'm going to think about that. But I have to say my boobs, the best they've ever been. Oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. I've you got know, good boobs. I know they were perky <laughs> and firmer in my twenties. I, I know that, but they were, sure. they, they're, they're good right now. Like I feel like a woman. Yeah. Mine have settled in nicely. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel, I mean, mine are bigger than they've ever been because I'm the heaviest I've ever been, but I feel, um, curvy. Yes. And I, I haven't been curvy my whole life. So I feel that's good. Okay. That, I'm, that's fantastic, Sandra. There's going to be more boobs going over the top of them. So we'll see how it all looks in the end. But yes, <laughs> I like that actually. And they're pink. <laughs> yes, they're pink. They're perky. They're perfect. Especially the two small ones that you did with the perfect yeah. um, areola and the nipple. I mean, they were perfect. Oh, boobs. those are. Yeah. Maybe we could have a boob series or something. That's awesome. Yes. Okay. Well, now I have another perspective on my paintings. <laughs> Love it. Okay. Well, how sorry. All... I can tell how you are this morning. <laughs> yeah. So that works all in very well with what we're talking about today, which is aging. And that's why I wanted to start off with our promotion first, because yes. all the catch up has to do with our topic perfectly at all Great. aligns. Um, so yesterday, I. Rance had to run some late afternoon errands. I had to take Chloe to the orthodontist and um, I guess it was the heat or something, but I came home with this raging headache, like Mm. the kind that makes you want to, you think you're going to vomit for a minute, you know, it makes you nauseous. And um, so I stumbled over to the drawer where we keep all the supplements and, you know, pain relievers and various other drugs and prescription, of course. Right. <laughs> um, and I didn't have my glasses on and I just picked up a bottle that Mark had, we had just bought at Target and I took two, made dinner, sat down to eat. And shortly after dinner, I started feeling really, really sleepy. Like, and I looked over at Mark and I said, I'm just like so tired all of a sudden you know, and I was telling him about how I had to take some ibuprofen for a headache. And I was like, that, that bottle that you just bought at Target, I said, that wasn't PM, was it? I, ibuprofen PM? And he goes, actually, I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> Did you not have your glasses on, lady? <laughs> I didn't have my glasses on. Right. No, I didn't have my glasses on. And it was ibuprofen PM, which oh. I used to take quite a lot of when I was still drinking because oh. it would kind of sort of knock me out, or at least I hoped that it would, you know, knock me out for a little while. Um, and I wouldn't wake up, you know, with that heart racing anxiety at two or 3am, which by the way, it, you know, it really didn't help anything, you know, it didn't, it didn't help that at all. But, um, but I hopes that it would, right. right, But I probably hadn't taken that since then. And it, kicked my butt. I mean, I don't want to be triggering for anyone. So I won't, I won't be, but, um, it felt like, you know, when you, um, have the laughing gas at the dentist, that's what I felt like. (laughs) It felt a little loopy. (laughs) Yeah. 
put it that way. And my kids were like, mom, are you okay? I mean, it was weird. And I was like, I'm just, I got to put myself to bed. I, I gotta, I gotta go to bed. (laughs) What time was this? It's seven, seven o'clock, seven o'clock. And I slept for 12 hours. So you're good to go right now. You're going to just fly through this. I'm feeling a little weird, actually. Like I'm having a hard time with my words even, but uh, yeah, I slept for 12 hours. So, and the funny, funny part about this is, so here's a little insight to my marriage. Um, Yeah. (laughs) After I got sober, (laughs) well, after I got sober, Mark and I um, started doing, and I can't recall when this little routine came about, um, but we started doing this thing where we made dinner or I make dinner, he makes dinner, whoever makes dinner. And we usually have it done by um, maybe like the end of the news, I guess, somewhere around there, the end of your local news. Mm -hmm. And we sit down and we watch um, the Wheel of Fortune. Okay. Talk about getting old. So here, here's what's (laughs) funny is, okay, so I started writing about this. I'm trying to write a story about this and I was going to pitch it to modern love in the New York times because, um, it's something that we do together every single night. It's like our little, yes, we watch the wheel of fortune and it harkens back to I'm so nostalgic about it too. And this is all going into this essay that I'm writing because my grandparents had this routine that they did. And it was so sweet. Every night they would, my grandma would make, he would come back from working on the farm and they would, um, she would have dinner made and then they would watch the news and they would watch, um, they would watch, um, oh my God, see, this is why my, this is what happens when I work for 12 hours and, um, my brain's not working. Um, or it's just the age. Like, I feel like I can't, I I lose words. Like I never have before. Well, like when I was pregnant. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I know. I feel like that. Um, uh, anyway, they would watch, they would have like three programs that they would watch back to back and, um, and, uh, Hang, hang on one second. Yeah. I'm just looking it up because it's Go ahead. gonna it's gonna drive. It's our show. We can kind of just do what we want right here, right? Of course, it's the Lawrence Welk show. Thing. Okay, oh, I, know I this. used to love the yes. Okay, so they would, so every evening they would have dinner. I mean, you could set your you if you didn't if there were no clocks around. You could set it. <laughs> you could you could set your timing to, and if you interrupted like. They had family that lived very close, but even their family knew you don't come over to visit and have like coffee and dessert or whatever until after the Lawrence Welk show (laughs) because they would have dinner Mm -hmm. and then they would watch the news and they would watch the Lawrence Welk show. And my husband and I do this very thing now. And it's so funny to me. We... (laughs) We have like a meta experience about it because we laugh about it. We'll yell when a, whoever is like got their eyeball on the, on the new, on the, on the clock, um, will yell to the other one across the house wheel. And you know, the other one will just come running. <laughs> it's so funny. So anyway, the point of that, um, is that I could barely, I mean, I looked at my husband and I was like, I don't even think I'm going to make it through the wheel. And he was like, what is 
what is wrong with you? He was like, I wish that or ibuprofen PM had that effect on me. Sandra, that's very funny. That's going to be the new saying in your house. I can't go to bed. I can't even make it through the wheel. I got to go. Still light out. I think it's actually very funny. And uh, you know what? Sometimes you got to put yourself to bed at seven o'clock, Sandra. Yeah. And right? sleep for 12 hours. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I woke up without a headache. I will say Aww. I'm headache free. Um, I've never so, taken a Tylenol PM, so I don't know. Okay. Well, if you're sensitive to anything at all beyond just a regular ibuprofen, then yeah, you it's going to knock you on your ass. Okay. I would guess. It's good to, it's good to know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. used to not affect me. Like I said, I was ingesting so much um, when I was drinking. It never had that effect on me. And I just, I haven't taken one in over six years, I don't think. And right. it just kicked my butt. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I'm there you go. Down rested. And that's very funny. And um, I haven't seen Wheel of Fortune and I couldn't even tell you how long. Oh, yeah. We love that show. We even I, have- I like your ritual though. Mm-hmm. Very sweet. I, <laughs> I, want, right? I want that someday, Sandra. I'd like a sweet little ritual like that. Okay. Well, I'm glad, yeah. you know, I hope that um, it, <laughs> I was a little feeling a little shy, even though, like I said, I'm writing an oh, essay no. about it because uh, that's marriage. It's so uh, old fashioned, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's what I like about it though, too. It's very sweet. And um, I love rituals. So yeah, you totally have an evening ritual. And I don't have, I don't have a lot nothing, of evening. Yeah. It's nothing that w- I would have done when I was drinking. I mean, that was still happy hour. I was, right. I, that was when I wanted to isolate, Those you know, drinking would, hours. you're busy, you're very busy. Right. And I wanted <laughs> to isolate because no one, you know, I, no one shared happy hour with me. It's not like my husband rarely did. And, you know, right. And I, so I would hide from my, from everyone and, you know, usually hide out in my studio or hide out, you know, quote unquote, folding laundry or whatever I was doing to kind of hide away while I drank. I certainly, it certainly wasn't any, you know, never an activity that was open to, yeah. um, you know, a community or anything, <laughs> not I've at had- the end anyway. Right. I've had a little routine with Grady um, since summer started or since COVID started, I guess. We've worked our way through um, all five seasons of Schitt's Creek, mm. um, but we'll have dinner in front of the TV, which we've, ne- we've always had dinner as a family at the table, basically same time-ish um, his whole life. So now that we are living on our own, he's like, do you want to watch an episode? And so we'll watch an episode and have dinner and talk afterwards. Um, and I've really enjoyed that kind of evening kind of ritual and coming together. And, um, I know that's not my husband, but I do, I do appreciate it with him. Cause I feel like it's a small window is closing. Um, as he gets older, as I get older, he's, um, not gonna maybe do that with me for much longer. No. And you yeah. can make it whatever you want. If, yeah. You know, we can get locked into our old patterns and, and stories. Like we must have dinner at the table and, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it's, it's, um, it's fun and, and freeing to, um, experiment with something else or let somebody else take the lead and decide what it's going to be, what the new thing is going to be. Well, I think as we're talking today about aging and getting older, it's just kind of that morphing and shifting and changing. Um, 
right? Of, of those stories and of those ideas. And I know that you do a lot of work with that. Uh, I found a quote that I was hoping to share just before we got too far into the episode of That's All Right With You. Um, it's by our queen, Anne Lamott. Mm-hmm. And it's the intro to Lisa Congdon's book, um, A Glorious Freedom. Uh, I think I sent you a copy of this, right, Sandra? A uh, Glorious yes, Freedom. I love that book. Mm-hmm. It's older women leading extraordinary lives and it's um, essays about certain women. And so Anne Lamott's quote was, age has given me what I was looking for my entire life. It has given me me. It has provided time and experience and failures and triumphs and time-tested friends who have helped me step into the shape that was waiting for me. I fit into me now. I have an organic life, finally. Not necessarily the one people imagined for me or tried to get me to have. I have the life I longed for. I have become the woman I hardly dared imagine I would be. Mm, that's beautiful. Isn't I that love gorgeous? that. Gorgeous. Of course, everything she writes. I just- <laughs> Yeah, I could eat it. Um, yeah, I is, feel that way. I feel that way. Yeah, in sobriety. Yeah, I, I definitely feel that way. I, um, you know, I'm I'm full crone now, even though like baby crone, I guess you could say. Um, well, let's break that down so people know what does that mean. Well, so there's archetypes, um, and and um, and the feminine archetypes are some, a few of the feminine archetypes are uh, mother, maiden, mother, and crone. And I was actually going to read a little something too. Yeah, Um, please. This is from a book called Virgin Mother Crone Myths and Mysteries of the Triple Goddess. And it's by Mm. a woman named Donna Wilshire. And um, she, this is um, just a couple of two paragraphs on um, her description of the crone. And I think it's really perfect. The crone is a woman past her bearing years and mother centered societies, women too old to give birth or to menstruate. Those who keep their wise blood inside Hmm. have often been the most respected, most feared, most beloved, wisest members of the community. She might be called respectfully, even reverently the oldest of the old, even chief, but she was chief on, but she was chief only of counsel, meaning primary advice giver. Girls and women could come, could look forward to growing old, to becoming a crone, without fear that their wrinkles or stoop would diminish their worth, influence, or the meaning of their lives. Time factoring was their special domain and responsibility. Menstruating women's bodies kept track of were the lunar month calendars, while the old remembering women kept track of embodied long range events. It was their ability to respond to large cycles that kept all events in perspective. They kept records in their heads and bodies of the old days of what happened that needed to be remembered of what could be expected to happen genealogies eclipses mishaps summers of special abundance recipes for healing potions annals of death and birth knowledge of how to handle things how to survive and thrive Sandra that that just not beautiful up. that's absolutely beautiful I know I know. Thanks for letting me read it because I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't have said it better than she wrote it. 
No, that's what I needed. I needed, I had an alternate definition, but I was hoping that you, because I know this is a lot of the study you've been doing is on archetypes mm-hmm. over the last year. And I know that it's really your jam. And I think the concept of being a crone, um, well, I have to say, I haven't really heard that used too often, the word crone, until I did a couple of classes with Pixie Lighthorse. Mm-hmm. And she is a crone. And so she was just talking about how wonderful it was to step into that. And I hadn't heard a lot of women talk about how great it is to get older. I hear a lot of talk about, you know, dreading it. Um, dreading it or how to just deal. Tolerate it maybe. Yeah. How to how to stop it somehow. Right. Suppre- <laughs> yeah. How to suppress it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the celebration, and I think you talk about this a lot when you've coined the phrase, you know, midlife solution. I really love that because it didn't seem like a midlife crisis. I mean, my life could be looked at like, or my husband's as a midlife crisis right now. We're getting a divorce. I mean, if anybody buys a sports car, I mean, we're just going <laughs> to, what's going to happen? But just, but I can see why, you know, I can see why those phrases exist. However, I don't feel like this is a crisis. I feel like it's an invitation. And I think you and I talk a lot about that when we decided to quit drinking. It was like, of course, it didn't come singing down from the heavens on day one, like that this was this invitation, but it was. And something inside of us knew to accept it. Um, and so to get to become a crone seems like a beautiful thing with what you've just read there. Mm-hmm. Um, place of honor, and dignity. Uh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. But I, I would be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about regret. Um, I have a little story to tell that just happened um, this week. Uh, my husband and I, we were at Target where the infamous bottle of <laughs> ibuprofen PM was accidentally <laughs> bought instead of regular ibuprofen. Scene of the crime. <laughs> okay, continue. And um, we were walking through and, and this one target we don't normally go to, they had like a whole maternity section and um, they had uh, mannequin, maternity mannequins. And we both just noticed this maternity mannequin that she had on this cute dress. And um, like for a second, I couldn't breathe. Like it hit me so hard. I felt like I couldn't breathe Um, because it, it hit me just that, just passing that, that pregnant (laughs) mannequin, I'll never have a child again. And, And I know that, and I don't, I don't linger on that thought a whole lot or I haven't, but it hit me super hard. And something must've hit my husband too, because he said, he said, I love the new maternity style. It's like those little nineties dresses, floral dresses that you guys, that all you girls wore in college. And, you know, grief is sort of a, is a mystery to me. (laughs) Yeah. It's admitted. I, I, I have no problem accessing happiness and joy and all those, um, higher registering emotions, but I have a real hard time accessing sadness and especially grief. Grief is, is, um, such a mystery to me, mm-hmm. but I grieve for about five minutes in target. <laughs> yeah, I did because, um, you know, I, I don't have a lot of regret 
Um, but I do regret that I'll never um, have a baby as a sober mom. I, I regret that. I, I can understand that, Sandra. I'm with and, you. And um, I've had some real, I've had, you know, and I guess because I had that five minutes of grief and target, which means I'll cry right now, which I am not, a, it takes a lot for me to cry, but yeah. Um, I appreciate that little window that I got because that means that I can, I can tap into it again. Um, because I think it's a worthy, it's worthy time spent, um, feeling that, that grief. Yeah. Well, I don't have a whole lot of, I mean, regrets, um, I, I wish I could do some things different, but I, I am in full acceptance that I can't for the past, right? I, I do know that from an intellectual on a level um, that my mind knows that I can't go back, but I'm with you. I, I have a lot of um, early motherhood. I'm just wiser now, right? This is what we're talking about. I'm wiser now. I know I wouldn't do what I did then. I know I would do it differently. And there is kind of a desire um, to do things differently. I think that's human. Um, when Grady was around seven or eight, I wanted to have another baby. This coming from the woman who didn't want to have a baby. Um, and I told my husband, I want to, I know I could do it better this time. And I was still drinking. This was in the height of my drinking. And he was like, absolutely not. Mm. And, um, I said, but I know I could do it better. And he says, you don't have a kid to get, to do a do over. Yeah, that's not why you have a kid, Tammy. And I was like, oh, and that made sense. I could hear that even in my, you know, the depths of my drinking and not being my highest self. Like I knew that he was right, but there is something, yeah. That's something that we don't get to uh, quote unquote fix. (laughs) No, I know. And I, and you know, and I, uh, believe me, I have, of an abundance of gratitude for the fact that I get to be a sober mom now. Mm -hmm. Um, I wrote about that a little bit, just on Instagram, on Instagram post I did that, you know, I get to model a solution every day for my kids on how to cope with anything, how to cope with sadness and despair and joy and, um, you know, all the, all the emotions that would just take me down. Um, I get to show them, uh, how a solution, a, a a positive, I get to show them, you know, positive coping tools, right. Methods for lifing. And, um, you know, we, I mean, I learned a long time ago before I even became a mom, I was a stepmom hmm. when I was in my twenties and in, in being a stepmom, I learned that kids do not do what you tell them to do. <laughs> they right. just don't. But at some point <laughs> you got to unclench, um, but they do what you do. Mm-hmm. Right. They 
they model your behavior. Sure. And so I feel very fortunate that I figured that out and um, that I am a sober mom yeah. and that they do get to watch me use healthy coping tools for life. It's, hu- it's a huge imprint that, that we're leaving as sober mothers on our children. And I know kids are resilient. So I know I left an imprint um, of some really poor coping mechanisms and bad behavior from before. Um, My son says he doesn't remember what it was like. I stopped drinking when he was 11. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he'll put it together later. Like, oh, she always put me in front of the TV when she was having dinner parties, you know, for hours and hours on end. She oh, always, my kids know. Yeah. Yeah. So he doesn't remember, he says, but I know he must have some, he'll put together those memories and realize oh, that's what she was. Maybe he didn't remember me being drunk, but he probably remembers being shuffled off quite a bit. Um, yeah. My kids do have memories actually. Yeah. Um, you know, that's why we're saving for therapy and not college. <laughs> Right. Absolutely. (laughs) I get you. I get you. But that's the thing too. Sometimes when I do shares at my 12 step meetings, I'll talk about, um, because I, I do want to share sometimes I'm in women's meetings, you know, with a lot of young moms and I'll, I'll say, you know, I didn't want to be a mom and I'm very honest about that. I, I wasn't ready. And then I had the baby and then went straight into my drinking, um, with fervor, you know, and, um, I sometimes forget to loop back around when I do a share because I get nervous sharing and, um, but to close the loop, I, I'm grateful that I'm sober so that I can live my amends to my kid and show up in the way that I do now that I'm awake when he comes home from being at his girlfriend's house and know that he's safely home, you know, that I can take him out, um, for a sushi lunch and we can just talk um, and not have sake. I can, you know, I get to do these things with him now, um, go to the beach, talk, um, paint together. I get to do these things where I would have, I don't think I would have had those moments or as many. So being fully present, being sober, living those amends, modeling a solution, like that's all, um, the gift of sobriety. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, I, I believe that there's a divine plan, I truly believe that. And, you know, there, there was a reason why I drank as a, as a young mom or as a mom to babies and toddlers. It was, it was the only method of survival I knew. It was Mm -hmm. the only one. I had no support. I didn't know how to ask for help. Yeah. We don't know what help you need. It's completely foreign, right? Yeah. And I mean, I think that there's generations before us that knew that knew they needed, there was more structure around being a first time mom and, and there was more help from your family or community. And, and, you know, we're just so independent now. Um, I didn't know I didn't know how to ask for help. I thought you were just supposed to set out and do that on your own and, and, you know, with no structure or support and alcohol was the only support I had. Um, so, 
you know, it, in a sense, I guess it, it, it saved me. Maybe, maybe it saved me from spiraling. Mm. I don't, I don't know. Um, again, I, I, there was some divine plan for me, um, to, to be a sober mom now when they're older and perhaps not when they were babies. Um, and that helps me a little bit with, you know, with shame and regret, but I tell you another thing that right before I had to nod off, <laughs> right, right before the wheels started, there was a segment <laughs> on the end of the news where um, someone found a baby in Austin, like on the sidewalk in Northeast Austin. This all ties together. And right. I, I looked at my husband and I said, I got to tell you, if I found that baby, mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd give it back. <laughs> Right. And he said, I get it. I get it. Because, you know, um, he was there with at least one of them. He wasn't there with my son, but he was there with, for me. And he was there when Chloe was a baby, obviously. And, um, yeah. Hmm. Anyway, I'm just imagining you at Target. I can see you and Mark there. Yeah. Like in an aisle, like on an end cap or something, seeing a little baby uh, clothing and maternity dress. Oh, well, I I think, so the interesting thing, Sandra, so, so that is all true. Right. And, and as, as I get uh, further along in my sober journey or living life without alcohol, like um, acceptance starts to become this concept that I hear about. And then you start to, like you said, I think you used the word in that reading, like the embodiment. Yeah. And that's so, I, I do feel like I'm embodying things more. Right. You embody these lessons that then turn into wisdom, right? Right. And that's all a process that can't be rushed either. Um, when I was talking to Natha yesterday, when she did my reading, I'm going to look at my notes here because that word came up too. Oh, the year prior when she did my reading for my solar return for my birthday, she talked about how in the coming year I was going to be stepping fully into teacher mode. And she said, did that happen for you? She's like, I think I've seen some things, but do you feel like it? And, um, and I talked to her about it and told her the things that I had been doing and working towards that end. And she said, um, do you feel more of an embodiment? And I said, I think so, because I feel like I've had all these teachers for so long and coaching, and I'm ready to kind of slough that off, not completely, but for the most part, I, I feel like I just want to trust myself mm-hmm. and that I've, oh, there's been a lot of things that I've ingested over the years and I do feel like they're churning and they're coming out as my, um, my knowings now. Sure. Not the knowings of other, although they've been guiding, but it's to where I don't have to give credit. I'm a big person about giving attribution and crediting everybody, but for more, and of course you do that with quotes and artwork, but I feel like more like I know what I'm talking about. And I felt that recently with my training, with my gray area coaching training, when I was in these trainings, I knew, I maybe didn't know about neuroscience or biochemistry in the brain. And I'm taking notes furiously on those things, but there's other things that I just know now. Mm -hmm. that are embodied. And I think getting older and having that, not just with sobriety, but with other things in our lives, like mothering, right? I feel more embodied as a mother now. 
I feel mm-hmm. like I know what to do. I know how to, um, to do the next right thing, I guess, or what, or what the, what the situation calls for. Um, as I get older, I'm feeling, um, yeah, wiser, I guess, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the answers have always been inside of us. Right. Mm. But I think one of the gifts of, and I say this all the time, the gifts of one of the hugest gifts I received from getting older and being sober is that gift of discernment. Mm. I know I, I can discern, um, the wise voice inside of me. I can also discern um, teachers and who I want to seek out knowledge from and when I need to um, look for that answer inside of me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've seen that with you over the years, just knowing you and seeing how you've embodied things. Um, It's nice to witness. Like when we talked about your evolution, we did that episode a couple episodes back Um, without you, you know, saying it, I witnessed it. Do you know what I mean? Over the mm-hmm. years, I got to, mm-hmm. I got to be witness to your, um, to your shifting and your changing, your growing into yourself. Um, I liked, I was looking, um, I think I sent you this to the, what, the archetype deck from the wild. Unknown. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I, I didn't say thank gr- you. It's oh, you beautiful. Did. Yes. It's a, such a gorgeous deck and I knew that you would love it because you were doing that archetype work. And so I just had a little paragraph from there. They, they have a great card for the crone, the maiden, the mother, and the crone. But the crone they had identified as the witch, the old woman, and the sage was kind of the little names that they gave mm-hmm. it, alternate, alternate names. And I liked this part. And I, and I wrote this in my journal or my logbook at the beginning of the year in January. And I put this picture of this beautiful woman with gray hair. And it said, the crone is the master of letting go and residing in what is. She rejects nothing. The crone is often seen with the crow, smoke, night, and the moon. And the crone has a difficult time tolerating superficial, petty, day-to-day musings. She moves away from such relationships and seeks a deeper path, even if it means a more solitary life. Mm. And while I love women so much and my community and all of that, I do like my solitude. I do like being with myself now in a way that I never was comfortable before. I agree. I, um, yeah. And, and I, I, while I love being social, I do have, I have deep reverence for solitude as well. Um, because I'm okay with my, I'm okay with Sandra. Right. I'm good with me. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. The idea of being social all the time or having a packed calendar, I have to say, I've been very intentional, especially over the last six months, but trying at the year, my intention was to change some things. That was my word for the year was change. And um, that came up also in my reading about transformation. Natha had mentioned that um, last year when she looked at my old chart was a, a year of transformation. And I definitely think that's true. But that transformation is, yeah, loving myself, being good alone, um, being my own sanctuary. And I, I never felt that. I always wanted to go to the next thing, get it on the calendar, who's doing what, where, who's going to be there. Gosh, I do not feel that way at all, Sandra. 
since I stopped drinking, I've, I've, um, I've settled into myself. Yeah. And you know, what else struck me too, as you were reading that is I think a move, it's also been a move away. We, again, we've talked about this a lot, but it's also a move away from drama, right? Right. Drama free. Yeah. Uh Because, um, there's just a lot of natural drama built into you in your twenties and thirties. <laughs> what? And even forties, right? Yes. I think getting older and coupling that with being sober is this move away from drama. Mm. Um, and I think that that highlights that, that move towards um, solitary as well. Like yeah. you're okay without having all the buzz and drama and, and that, that aggressive energy around you all the time. Absolutely. I, I drove past a house this weekend of a, of a friend. I was headed to the beach um, to just go put my toes in the sand on a Saturday night. <laughs> and there was a large gathering of people. You know, I used to be invited to all of these gatherings. And there was a little bit, just kind of like when you walked by that maternity dress, there was a little bit of a, a pang in my heart going, oh, I didn't get invited again. And then immediately me going, but she fucking wouldn't even go. <laughs> like, why would you care? But it was something about being invited, right? And as I drove to the beach, I just thought, I don't miss that. I think I missed it for a second going, oh, I used to be part of that. That used to be my life. And um, not that I can't go to a dinner party and sobriety and not that I can't, I don't get invited by friends places. I do. But I I got to like kind of glimpse my past for a minute because everybody was outside by a fire pit, you know, and there was a dozen people. And of course, you know, they waved and I waved and I just felt so separate and so apart and different. And for a second, it, it was like a, like somebody had pinched me mm-hmm. and then it went away. Like it didn't hurt. Yeah. It left a little, a little something, but then I went, I drove to the beach and yeah, I looked at the horizon and it was chilly and I sat on my sheet and I put my feet in the sand and I was looking for rocks and I just had a good old time by myself on a Saturday and that felt good. I guarantee you there was at least one woman in that group who looked at you longingly and probably <laughs> thought that looks really good. <laughs> yeah. So it's a different, um, I do think about that word acceptance a lot cause I have a hard time with it. Um, not all the time, of course, but when I'm in the lessons, when I'm in the thing that I need to accept and, or let go and, or surrender, like those three things, acceptance, letting go and surrender. It's like this, it's like a little lesson that I get to teach myself in my own time, in God's time, not my own time, I guess, in God's time or whatever time that is. Um, I enjoy teasing all of that apart. I enjoy writing it out. I enjoy um, talking with girlfriends until I can kind of get to what the message is or the lesson is. Like I dig that shit now, Sandra. I didn't think that much before. I was in drama town. I, I, I say sometimes in meetings, "Hi, I'm Tammy, and I was I'm addicted. I was addicted to drama," you know, and they mm-hmm. laugh. But I'm like, "That's drama town is where my you know that's where my zip code was. I, that's where I lived for a long time." 
Yeah. I don't live there anymore. So getting older, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, of course I don't, I'm sure there are going to be some fears and health concerns and things as they come up. I'm not just saying it's easy peasy, but I'm walking into this. I think this decade going like, what do I have to learn? What do I have to offer? You know, maybe how can I just be with myself and be fabulous? Like I am, like, I feel better than I've ever felt Sandra. I, oh yeah, I, I agree. I do too. I, my, in my body, my body feels better. And I've, I say this a lot that my body feels better than I did in my body in my thirties because I was poisoning myself every day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that's <laughs> quitting drinking as a move towards health, even as you age. <laughs> For certain, yeah. I was going to say two things. One one thing was about acceptance, and I think the thing that's gotten me um, good with that word mm-hmm. <laughs> and the feeling of it is, is that I know that accepting thing, accepting something as it is, also means that it will change, and that has softened mm-hmm. that for me because. Accepting something for what it is doesn't mean that you're at the end of the road there. It's, you're, it's gonna, it's gonna evolve. Whatever you've accepted today is gonna evolve. (laughs) Right. Oh, I always, I also like knowing that acceptance, um, what helped me was acceptance does not mean approval. Right. So if I know that it doesn't mean approval, I have an easier time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, don't, I don't have to go, like, this is like the final, I have to accept it as is. Right. Um, it's just a process. It's going to change. It's not an event. It's a process. So it's, At, yeah. Yes, definitely. And the other thing I was going to say too is, you know, being, getting older and being sober, you know, I laughed that I hadn't been to the doctor and I like, you know, did everything in like two, at a two week time, I yeah. got a mammogram and a, and a, and um, I had a pap smear and I had my blood drawn and I um, even had a colonoscopy like <laughs> within a two week period. But Don't forget that hot doctor was, for your shoulder. Right, right. But the you difference know. was that, oh yeah, right. And I got my shoulder <laughs> taken care of. Um, by Adonis. Polish. Sorry. The Polish Adonis. <laughs> by the Polish Adonis. I've just not forgotten you describing that. Sorry. Keep just going. <laughs> that my libido still works. But um, but the thing is, I wasn't of you know, my motivations for avoiding it were totally different than they would have been had I still would if I were still drinking right now. Mm. I would have kicked that can down the road for much different reasons. It would have been because I was afraid to face the truth of what I was doing to my body with alcohol. Um, I would have been terrified of that, that truth. And that would have been the reason. Number one, um, I was just being a lazy procrastinator. It's totally different, (laughs) right? (laughs) (laughs) Totally different motivation behind that. Um, but yeah, you know, I show up to all those doctor's appointments knowing that I'm doing the best I can do for my health. Yeah. And, um, you know, that felt really good. In fact, there's no, uh, there's no, that feeling is almost indescribable. It's, it's a really good feeling. 
knowing that you're doing everything you can do for your health and well-being. Yeah. When I make doctor's appointments, I'm going to the dentist after we're recording here. Like when I do those things now, I did them before, but I would show up hungover. I would Your teeth show up. would be oh, red from wine, uh, oh, wine stains. I remember can one you time imagine how dentist, I reeked? The dentist <laughs> commenting on my wine stained <gasps> teeth. Yeah, Freak. that was nice. That's no fun. Yeah, I'm getting some <laughs> new glasses. I, my vision is, not, as I'm getting older, uh, my vision is not, it's changing. It's not what it once was. So I had to get a new prescription. I'm having a harder time reading. Those types of things are just like these little nudges, like, okay, but I can take care of my shit now. I take care of it um, and I'm, I'm not afraid to make doctor's appointments or that I'm going to be found out, you know, going right. in there so hungover and worrying that she can smell it on me. Of course she, like, I don't know how she didn't get a Ugh. clue earlier, but my doctor, but I wasn't honest. So, you know, she took me at face value. She believed what I said, which is what you do with people. <laughs> mm-hmm. She just didn't know I was, you know, lying on those intake forms. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit, Sandra, about my decision to go gray. I was thinking that decision for me has really, I think, helped me step into myself. I feel more beautiful than ever. Like I just said, like I feel like myself and not every woman has to go gray or I'm not against any woman dyeing your hair if you want to like do whatever makes you feel good. But for me, the last time I dyed my hair was in May of 2017. I was dyeing it at home. And it was the night before I went to the She Recovers New York conference. And I had these roots and I thought I needed to cover them up. So I look at those pictures from that weekend. I just see how dark my hair was. And mm-hmm. but it doesn't look like me. <laughs> it doesn't. It, it, I just look, um, for lack of a better word, it just looks fake. And I look at it now because it was so stark. I would, I would buy whatever was the cheapest box of dye that was black brown, you mm-hmm. know? And as I age and as my skin and I just, I didn't match it. So it does look fake. It looks too dark for my complexion. Right. Um, and I didn't give a lot of thought to it. But so when growing it out was like not a lot of fun, you know, you look like a skunk. I wore my hair up and in a hat a lot over the next six months, but growing it out, like I like it now. Oh yeah. Your hair looks gorgeous. Thank you. I feel, I feel good. I feel, um, I'm like, I don't have a lot of upkeep and I don't have to do that every four weeks is when I was having to dye my hair at home and I just hated the whole process of it. Um, but I'm not ruling out dyeing it in the future or doing a fun color or doing some of the ends, like a certain color. Like I'm not opposed to dye. I just, I think I needed to grow it out as I was growing out some old ideas about myself too. Mm, and I think yeah, kind I like of that. as I was getting, to, you know, heading towards 50, it felt good to kind of shed that old layer. You know, it's all grown out now, all the dark. Um, I mean, it's, I still have brown in my hair, but it does feel like it was kind of a, a time to just recover myself, parts of myself. Right. Or along see the what's there. Right. Yeah. I, yeah, I, um, I've dyed my hair since I was 16 years old. <laughs> Look at and I love that about you. I always dyed it red because Molly Ringwald mm-hmm. and, um, but yeah, I was curious too. I'd, I'd had, I had, had bleach. It had been bleached so that I could, um, you know, do the fun color 
and uh, it was not feeling good. Like the bleach had taken its toll. And I don't have a lot of hair. You probably can tell the pictures of me. I have a lot of fine hair. That's what my mm -hmm. friend, who's my hairdresser, tells me. I, I'm not. I don't have thick hair at all. I have, but I have it. My hair is very fine. I have a lot of it. Um, but so I needed to grow out the the bleach mm -hmm. and um yeah and so when I got my hair chopped off at the beginning of this year who knew that that was going to be my last haircut <laughs> but oh, okay yeah yes, we, we did not in, know that did we <laughs> yep that was in February and that was the last time I got my haircut um my hair just feels so healthy now that I'm probably I don't know I might not even dye it ever again who knows it's you know never say never but um it just feels so it just feels like really good and healthy now as a matter of fact my friend who cuts my hair is going to come over and she's going to cut everyone's hair while she's here Ooh. so I know so we're doing we're getting some COVID cuts they're nice. pretty, pretty safe but um and I'm just going to have it layered and I'm going to keep growing it out now because it's just kind of so fun. This is my natural hair color. It's brown. It's auburn, I guess mm -hmm. you could say. Um, and I don't have any gray hair. I've got, uh, I've got you. you can see one or two shimmering, you know, but yeah. there's no, I don't have a head of gray hair. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, um, but yeah, I have had friends that went gray you know, in their 30s, like really early, mm -hmm. um, just genetically. Yeah, and I started going gray about 27. Yeah. And that's why I died because my mom always dyed her hair. Right. You know, and so I just kind of did what was modeled for me. <laughs> right. And now I realize I have, a, you know, a choice, but it's been fun. It's been liberating. It feels, uh, what's, is it Beyonce that sings, I'm feeling myself? <laughs> <laughs> feeling myself and I could change my mind just like we talked about over the last couple of weeks with our recovery we can change our mind and pivot and I could go back and dye my hair if I want to but right for right now this is this is kind of where it's at well and I'm sure it helps too that there's just a whole gray movement right there's just I love yeah, all that. the yeah. just the huge gray movement and there's like new gray hair products I think mm -hmm. you know to keep it soft and I love that yeah yeah, a friend of mine recommended some shampoo because in the beginning it was I was just trying to get used to it, but some it's like a purple shampoo that you use for your gray. Mm -hmm. um, and I use that. So it's been fun. Um, one thing just popped into my head that I should have shared at the top of the hour, Sandra, but I'm just gonna leave this with you here at the end here. Um, <laughs> as we near the end. For my birthday, do you want to know what Natalie gave me? Uh sure. <laughs> well, she gave me a lot of beautiful things. Uh <laughs> And I'm one of them in my three items, but, um, she, she bought me a package of granny panties. Oh, I love it. I love granny. Well, we've already had a discussion about this. You know, my right. love for granny panties. I Whoa. love a brief. I Whoa. mean, I love a good brief. She, she knows my love of wearing no panties. So she <laughs> gave me some granny panties, some white ones. And I was like, you are freaking hilarious. Um, but I have to say, as I'm going to be heading out into the dating world, I am very interested in buying some pretty things for myself. Underwear. Oh, good. So I'm looking forward to doing that, but it doesn't feel like I can even go do that. I feel like when I go out into public and do anything, it's only necessity right now. It's like groceries and the post office. 
So I might have to do a little online shopping or something. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I am. Yeah. I don't know. I embraced a brief a long time ago. I was thinking about that actually, because I've been reading some, some, uh, reading a book and and talking about body image with a friend. And um, I started thinking about, um, you know, gravity. Yeah. (laughs) What it does, (laughs) what it does to our bodies. And, um, you know, I had two C-sections with Mm. both my kids. My, with my son, it was um, emergency C-section as they call it. Um, And with my daughter, I kind of had a choice and then chickened out and went, went the way of a second C-section with her, like, two weeks before her due date. I made that decision. And that, um, you know, for women that have had C-sections, I'm sure you know, it totally changes your, the structure of your abdomen. Oh, um, yeah. That makes, it's, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just a scar. It like, because your fat starts to grow in two different directions. <laughs> And I was thinking that that's probably why I've embraced the brief for as long as I have, because, you know, it's probably something to do with my body image. It covers up that part of my belly. Mm. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I definitely have a belly. And so again, at my age, here I am getting into the dating world. I, you'd think I would be well, I think I would be really insecure because I was very insecure about my body when I had zero reason to be in my twenties, like zero. And now I'm looking going, Oh, there's a belly. And I'm, I'm just, there's not really anything I can do about that right today. You know, today it just is, I have to accept what is like what it said about the crone. Like this is what is, if I do want to change it, I guess I could. Sure. I could start working out and doing setups. I've, that's just never been me. And so I have to accept it. And that's a whole process too, the body love and trying to um, yeah, just accept what is. So this belly wouldn't mind a brief is all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I just want a pretty one. I just want a pretty one. That's all. Sure. Why not? <laughs> so many options now. Yeah. There are lots of pretty briefs. They're not the briefs that your grandma wore. <laughs> well, the ones I got from Natalie are <laughs> the white cotton brief. Oh, this is a- <laughs> did we cover everything, Sandra? Like, we- I think so. Yeah, I think it's fun. I know I would love to talk more um, if you want to talk archetypes and do some episodes on that. I would love it. Yeah, yeah. A good way to kind of, you know, dip your toe into understanding. I didn't understand about archetypes before. I'm still learning. And um, I would love to hear more about it, especially from you. Yeah, sure. Um, all um, right. Do we have okay. things? Do you want to do three things? I, I do. I just jotted of three down. Okay. okay. <laughs> off the cuff. All right. Well, um, I'm going to, I'll start off really quick. This is the sure. part of the show where we uh, share three items from our unruffled toolbox that help us or, you know, creatively or with our sobriety or actually with getting older here. Maybe there's a couple things here. Uh, so today I, I just cannot believe I did not use a face oil until recently. Ooh, where have I been? Somewhere? I don't know. I where love a face oil. So in my toolbox for this episode on aging or the crone, I would definitely say if you haven't used a face oil, do. 
I think you'll be happily, happily um, surprised. Natalie made me a little beautiful one uh, for my birthday, a mm. custom one. I don't think she sells them in her shop yet, but I loved it. I've been using it with my moisturizer. I just put a couple, <clears throat> a little bit of moisturizer on my hands and put a couple drops of face oil and I use on my face. And as my friend told me yesterday, your face starts um, at your, um, where your chest is. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's yeah. where your face starts. Oh yeah, I go I go down there too. Yeah. yeah. Do all your decolletage and kind of your um in your face. So face oil, that's mine. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Okay, well I guess my first one has to be the wheel of fortune. <laughs> I think it does. I love it. <laughs> this has been my secret tool, and I'm sorry that I'm just sharing it with you guys, but it's been my tool for <laughs> five and a half years probably. Mm-hmm. Thanks for <laughs> holding out big, on us. Sandra. I guess the big reveal was going to be now I have to finish this essay because it really is really sweet and it really, um, it really uh, <laughs> describes well how the wheel of fortune has helped my sobriety and my <laughs> marriage. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, so the second one for me, uh, I would recommend the wild unknown archetypes, uh, deck. And I really, they're so beautiful and they're round and I, I've been wrapping it up in a vintage scarf that you um, sent me, Sandra. Mm. And it's like I get a present every day when I unwrap that, you know, and then I kind of like to draw the deck and do all of that on the silk scarf. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm learning a lot about different archetypes, you know, the shaman, the castle, the seed, like all of these different things. So I'm, uh, and the crone, of course. So that would be my second toolbox item. All right. Well, my second one is we're just going to lump everything under the, um, word homemaking. <laughs> okay. Um, so I made some curtains for my bedroom that I'm in love with. And I am making some more curtains for the front room. I want to be more an intentional DIY home more than I've ever been before. Mm -hmm. Um, And that feels really good. But yesterday I got arrived probably the most adult purchase that I think we've ever made or Mm. that I've ever been involved with in my entire life. We got a $300 vacuum cleaner. Oh yeah. You've arrived. Yeah. Like you're, you're full fledged adult now. I mean, yeah. it is hands down the most adult purchase ever made. <laughs> it's a shark stand yeah. up kind of Mark. Like I'm doing gave a, it a war for you right now. He gave it a whirl around and like, we both just marveled at the big ball of dust and cat hair it picked up. And, oh. um, <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> yep. So we are full crown right here. <laughs> Vacuum cleaner. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, my last one uh, tool is something that um, I just, I just have been doing it over the last week or so. And um, there's a song uh, today. I listened to it. Like, I'm not kidding. Two, three dozen times. And um it's a short song by the, uh, that I listen to in the morning as I wake up and it's by, um, a beautiful chorus. Do you know a beautiful chorus, Sandra? I do not. They do the music for the beginning of Sarah Blondin's, um, live awake podcast that she does or her, her, um, 
meditations mm-hmm. and they're just, it's so pretty. And the song is called, please prepare me. Um, and it's just like a mantra, please prepare me to be a sanctuary. And they sing it over and over again. And it's so pretty. And so I woke up um, yesterday on my birthday at 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> and I listened to that song over and over again. And I just cried. You know, I had my hand on my chest and I had my hand on my curvy belly. And I listened to that song over and over again until I finally felt like it was the right time to get up. And mm. it just moved me so much as a way, like a gentle start to the day. And that if someone's not into meditation yet or is having a hard time, or if you just need some self-love, like to remind yourself that like you are your own home, you're your own sanctuary, you're your own, you're already, you already, you already have everything you need. Um, like to start the day or throughout the day, you can listen to it too. But I felt it was a really beautiful way to start the day. So I'll put that in the show notes to um, a beautiful chorus. Please prepare me is the song. That sounds beautiful. Yeah. I've never heard that. Really um, well, you kind of mentioned my last one, which is off a common one for me. And that is meditation. Mm. Um, it still works for me (laughs) Uh, every morning. And, you know, since we moved um, my, my morning kind of thing got a little disrupted. It took me a minute to get back into it. And there were a few days here and there that I would miss my meditation. And I would so feel, especially as my day would go on, I was like, what is wrong with this day? (laughs) What Mm. am I missing here? And it was because I'd missed my meditation and I can really suffer from monkey mind. And, um, and it is the only thing that, that, that helps with that. There's no supplement. There's no, (laughs) there's just no other practice that helps me more with that kind of feeling, um, brain spinning out of control, list making, none of that helps as much as meditation does for me. And so I just have to keep doing it. And for the listeners, just because I'm curious too, is it TM that you do? I do a meditation. Yeah. I never did formal TM training. It costs about $400 to do it and you get a mantra. Um, I made up my own mantra, which is Mm -hmm. what sevens do. They're just like, whatever, I'll do it myself. (laughs) Take it on, do it, do my own thing. Um, so I made up my own mantra and it's mine and it works. If I just close my eyes, um, without repeating my mantra, I will just have closed my eyes for 20 minutes, which is fine as well. Mm -hmm. But if I say my mantra in my head over and over, then I experience something that it can only be described as a transcendence. Mm -hmm. For me, it feels like you're, 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 you kind of go to another place, another, um, sometimes it can be described as like feeling weightless, like floating. Yeah. Or, or, um, you know, being in the clouds, sometimes it feels like water. Sometimes it feels like air. Um, it's being, it feels like no thing. Like you're in not anything. You're not your thoughts. If that makes sense. Yeah. Thanks for explaining that. Sometimes I know we talk about meditation. There's all different kinds. And so I'm curious just if listeners wanted to know what you were doing that, that I just want to help them. Uh, well, thanks for this chat. 
was so yeah. timely. It, I, I've had such an amazing week with last week's episode dropped and that was fun to, to get nice feedback and good. Yes. Um, and then you help in the Facebook group. We have a secret Facebook group for the podcast. If you want in on that, um, just send us a request on Facebook to Sandra or myself. We'll add you, but you like started off a birthday thread that just mm-hmm. left me like in tears last night when I was reading through it and I couldn't even, what happens for me sometimes when people are so nice on Facebook and leave nice comments, I get paralyzed and I can't respond. And it's like, it's so, so many women were so kind to me yesterday. It was so beautiful. I felt so loved and uh, well, seen. Receiving, that's, that's <laughs> the lesson. Right. Yeah. So receiving. Um, today I'm going to go through those, but um, it was, it was like I got love bombs all day long because my phone kept dinging. I know. Like from the time I woke up until the time I went to bed and I'm still getting them this morning and it was just like really beautiful. So thank you for starting mm-hmm. that off. And it really touch my heart. Oh, good. Well, happy birthday. I can't wait till you get my present. You may get it today. You may get it tomorrow, but I cannot wait. (laughs) Thanks, honey. All right. Well, let's, let's do this. Let's call it a a recording. Okay. Call it a show, whatever we're calling this thing. (laughs) Bye. Bye everyone. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening.